Our scripture today is one that is often a story that we hear in Sunday school, we hear every year. Um, It's told by the gospel writers from uh, different books of the Bible, and and it's something that, that we believe and we celebrate, but it's really hard for us to understand what this would be like. And Pastor Scott just read to us from uh, the Old Testament where Moses encounters God and God gives him these commandments, right? And, and we see that God passes by Moses and, and that just that is enough to make Moses radiant to the people, that he's glowing and shining brightly, that the people see that he has been in the presence of God. And we're told there that Moses didn't even realize at first that just being in God's presence, he was revealing God's glory to the people and revealing God's word to the people. And we're going to see an amazing parallel of Jesus doing the exact same thing on a mountain to God's people to show who Jesus is and what the message is that God has given And as we get started this morning, let's just take a moment to ask the Lord to bless our time in his word. Jesus, as we gather here in this place to hear your word, Lord, we ask that your word would not return void, that your Holy Spirit would work in it. And Lord, that each one of us would see your glory today and in our own lives reflected. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was trying to think of how to relate to to what... Peter must have been feeling, and James and John in this this moment of the gospel that we're going to encounter. And as I was looking just before in Mark's gospel in chapter 8, we we hit kind of the midpoint of the journey of these disciples. and, And Peter had confessed who Jesus is. And Peter understood who Jesus is. You are the Christ. And as Peter understands that, Jesus says, yeah, but I'm also going to have to suffer and die, Peter. Like, you understand that I'm the Messiah, the fulfillment of all these promises, and that I've come to save the people. Yes, but Peter, do you realize what has to happen? And we get this, this realization Peter has that Jesus is God, and we root for Peter, and he gets it. And then... Peter says, but no, Jesus, you don't need to do those things. You, you know, G- Peter's trying to rebuke Jesus, and Jesus turns to Peter and says, no, you don't fully understand, but you're getting there. And so I thought for Peter now, as we encounter him in this mountain, this is fresh. He's learning, but he's got confidence. He, he's ready to move forward. And I thought this reminded me a lot of when my son Roman was younger, and we took him to swim lessons. And I also remember when I was younger and, and swimming. And you all remember probably at some point in your life, you're, you're in the water and you're in the shallow end or you have floaties on or whatever, and then you know that moment where you're going to go into the deep end of the pool and you're either standing on the edge about to jump in and you're just staring and you want to jump in, but you're not sure it's safe. You're not sure you're ready to go all the way in the deep water yet. You're not sure you can swim on your own. But then what happens? An adult or someone who is, already knows how to swim 
gets behind you or helps you in this process, and then you're like, I can do this because I have somebody with me. And I think this is what Peter's getting to in the story today. And this is what Mark's gospel says in Mark chapter 9. So Jesus is ending this teaching and he says, And truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it was come with power. And if you remember, Jesus had been teaching about the generations and the people of this day. And a lot of times people say, well, this is Jesus saying he's going to come again in the end times. And that when he does, that he's going to come in glory and that people aren't going to see death. And what I, I, want, I included this verse because I wanted us to see that I think Jesus is also saying in this teaching, he's saying, and I'm about to reveal it to some of you of what it's going to look like when I do come back the second time. And so we jump in. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. He metamorphosized. He completely changed into something different. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white. No one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared with, to them Elijah and Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say. They were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them all to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And so... I'm going to go through this again a little bit slower, but I wanted to give you the basis for what we're talking about. So Jesus is trying to prepare his followers for not only his second coming, but also to fully reveal who he is and why he's come. And so we get these little moments where the disciples have revelations or where people that Jesus comes across realize who he is. But we also see that they soon forget or they still have questions, or they haven't fully grasped who and what Jesus is. And, and I thought, you know, we tend to do the same thing today, don't we? We know Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We know Jesus is both God and man. We understand that he is a God who loves us, who has come and gave his life for us, and risen to life so we can have that life. But then there's times where we're just not sure when life gets thrown at us. We're not always sure how to respond. And I think that's what we're dealing with here. Because Peter sure is stepping out in faith. And Peter, James, and John are being brought along with Jesus because there's trust there. Jesus understands that these three are called to something different than the other disciples. And so when Jesus, after six days, takes these three up and leads them by themselves, it's purposeful. 
Jesus knows that these three people need to see and understand this ahead of time. And, and we can't help but see the parallel of Moses stepping up to the mountain and for God to reveal, Moses, I want you to take my word back to my people about how to atone for their sins, how to live within the confines of the law in a way that pleases me and honors me and points them to the fact that I love them. And I think sometimes we forget that God gives his law, his commandments, out of love. We remind our kids and our grandkids about this all the time, right? That rules are not always meant to just punish. Rules are meant to guide. Rules are in place for a reason. Rules are because we love you and we know what's best for you. God gave these Ten Commandments to his people because he wanted people to know him and how he reveals himself. And so we jump forward to Jesus here revealing to Peter, James, and John on a mountain again the glory of God and the light that God brings, brings literally to a broken, dark, fallen world. And so we're told that Jesus is completely changed, transformed, and his clothes become radiant white, intensely white, so that no one on earth could bleach them. We get a glimpse here again, just a glimpse of the glory of God. The people in Exodus got a glimpse of God's glory through Moses' shining face. Now these disciples get a glimpse of God's glory in Jesus being transformed before their eyes and changing to be brighter than anything that the world on its own can produce. And then as an affirmation here of God's testimony that, that what God has said throughout time to this point is true, that when you follow God, when you believe in his love, and when you have faith in him, that he wants us to be in his presence for eternity because he loves us. And we know that because Elijah and Moses, who have gone prior, are here, and they appear talking with Jesus. This is the ultimate confirmation for the disciples, that what they're following, what they believe, what's come before is true and pointing to this moment. There can't be any more argument than two of the greatest heroes of the faith for the Jewish people that are present there and talking to God incarnate through Jesus Christ, who's the Messiah, who's come for them. It's like this, this fulfillment of, of Moses bringing the law down, and now Jesus stands in the place of where the law was given. And it's revealed that he has perfectly fulfilled the law in a way that God's people never could. And that is super cool. Because that's where we see that crimson thread. That's where we see the story of God is the same story. 
It's a story of creation and redemption and love. And so when we see these things that seem like these amazing stories that don't apply, they absolutely apply because when you see that God is consistent and consistently does what he says he's going to do, you can find comfort in knowing that he is going to come back one day. And he's going to look more like this, transformed, transfigured, metamorphosized, completely bright Jesus, because he's going to come in his full glory as God. And we don't fear that, even though he comes in judgment, because we know that the judgment was already passed on him when he gave his life. And so it's no wonder when Peter, in his emotion of recognizing that all of this stuff that we're talking about today and, and trying to wrap his head around what it looks like to follow him as Christ, the Son of the living God, to follow him and to trust in him. And he says, hey, Rabbi, it's good that we're here. Let's make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. This verse alone could be its own sermon because there's all kinds of connections to the Old Testament and the festival of the tents. And when the people had wandered in the desert, you remember they had tabernacles, they had tents or booths, all the same thing, that, that were movable, that they would set up camp and that God would dwell with them when they set up camp when they were in their wandering. So there was a place where God dwelled, where we stayed here, and we met God in this place because God promised that he would be here. And so this is during that time of year when the Israelites, the Jewish people, would have been celebrating this festival of booze, of tents, and that they would have been in the midst. So it makes sense that Peter wants this to not only be reminiscent of that and worship, but Peter also recognizes that he wants them to be here at least for a certain amount of time, and that God is meeting them in this place. And then we're also told that Peter is so caught up in all of this, and he's so overwhelmed that he didn't know what to say. Some other translations say, didn't know what he was saying. That, that all of this has just become so much for him that it's like jumping into the deep end and thinking that you've got it and then you're flailing trying to stay afloat. And yet Jesus is right there, right? God the Father reveals that I'm not leaving you alone. This is my beloved son. Listen to Jesus. The absolute... Confirmation, the same as in his baptism, the same revelation to the disciples again and again because they needed that assurance that this is indeed exactly what God had always promised. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but only Jesus. And so when, when all is said and done after this miracle happens 
and after God reveals himself and who he is and who Jesus is, and then all of a sudden, it's done. And then, if you can imagine, after all that, what do you think you want to do? You want to go, now as Peter, James, and John, and go, you guys are not going to believe what just happened. Right? You're not going to be like, oh, what would you do up there? Oh, nothing. Jesus transformed and glowed and stuff. And Moses and Elijah were there. No big deal. No. You're going to want to be like, you guys, seriously. This is amazing. And as they were coming down the mountain... He charged them to tell no one <laughs> what they had seen until he'd risen from the dead. This is another example of where our timing is not the same as God's timing. And so even in this moment where you're like, why would you do all this, Jesus? Well, he did it because it was the perfect timing for the perfect purpose. For the people that needed to hear it at the time and the place. And we all got to find out about it because it was meant to be known, just not yet. And so I think we can find comfort in those things too. When we have questions about what God's doing, why hasn't God revealed this? Why hasn't God done this? Why hasn't God shown himself here? It feels like he should. Well, it's not the time for that yet. But we find comfort in knowing that God's consistent. And so they do obediently what they're supposed to. They keep it to themselves and they question what this rising from the dead might mean. Because they still, even after this, they still have uncertainty about what all of it means. And that's part of our journey as fallen sinful people. There's times we don't fully grasp what God's doing and we wonder. There's times when the obvious should be obvious, but we miss it. And the point is, is that we don't have to be perfect because Jesus is. And so my prayer for us, my hope for us, is that we continue to remember that Jesus always does what he says he's going to do. Jesus always perfectly completes what he set out to complete. And when we have uncertainty, we can always look to him and know that one day we will understand. And that one day we will fully understand all of the things that we question today. And so my prayer is that we are not only encouraged by this, but that when we get discouraged or when we have questions, that we go back and return to the place where God gives answers in his word revealed in scripture. He revealed his word to his people on the mountaintop in the transfiguration, to Moses through the Ten Commandments, and he continues to reveal himself through his word today. Let's pray.